Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Hey, ladies and gents, it's Mr. Troy Goose. Mr. Goose, how the devil are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm all right at the moment. Just walked my dog in it, pissing it down with rain. But uh, yeah, no other than that, pretty good yourself. I I can't really complain. I mean, I've I've not got my dog here. He's with uh, he's with my ex at the minute, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm indoors and dry and happy and healthy and all that sort of thing. Perfect. Fantastic. Now we're going to change up the format of today's show a little bit. So anyone that's kind of been paying attention, typically we change it every season a little bit right at the start. But as we're three episodes into this one, I'm going to chuck Mr. Goose under the bus nice and early. And I want to play Room 101 with him. I, like, I want to get him hot right out the gate. Now, I'm going to ask him Jesus. for... That, that explains then. the pictures that you sent across. <laughs> <laughs> What happens in this room stays in this room. That's fine. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask him for two options that he would love to put in about the wrestling business into room 101. Now, we are going to banish one of those options, but he is going to have to keep the other option. So he needs to kind of be a bit careful about what he's going to pick because he's going to have to take one away with him. So, Mr. Goose, have you got two things that you would love to banish to room 101? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff about wrestling, but at the same time, there is a, there is definitely some stuff that kind of gets on you. Uh, right, I'll uh, I'll go for my first choice. Will be um, it's wrestlers who don't understand uh, their position on a card, and in particular, card psychology. Ooh. And then the second choice, I'll go for um, wrestlers who blame the fans for their matches or their spots not going over. Wow, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've I've been in this business for 13 years now, and I've heard many, many different um, sort of takes on both of these points, and I would love to put both in, but we can only put one in, so I'm going to go back and forward a little bit, so how do you mean by wrestlers that don't know their position on the cards, or the psychology of the position on the cards? Well, it's a... <laughs> I think the amount of times you watch, uh, you speak to people, or you watch people on a wrestling match, and they'll they'll usually ask for feedback afterwards as well. And my main feedback will always be specifically about what they've done. But um, a wrestling card is structured in a certain way. You would always expect the biggest match of the uh, card to be, you know, the main event. You'd expect them to pull out all stops, and essentially everything else on the card should really tailor itself around what comes after themselves and before themselves so uh, for example you get an opening match you'll uh, you'll usually go out there it'll be a um, a crowd who they're, they're just coming into the room they might still be getting settled they might still be having their drinks and uh, they might not you know if you go out there as wrestlers and go oh you know first thing we're going to do we're going to go out there and we're going to have a six star indie classic which um, a lot of people they do they have that mentality of just oh, it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing. We will just go out there. We'll do absolutely everything. And then nobody on the card has any cards left to play, if that makes sense. So imagine yeah. imagine that you've, you've gone out and uh, the main event is a hardcore match, no disqualification. And then the first match on the card decides to, you know, finish with a weapon shot finish. And then the second match on the card decides to finish again with a weapon shot finish. It's just this, it's this lack of, I mean, usually it's, it's the promoter should really be saying, 
what they're wanting from specific matches on the card. For example, if I go out first, I know I'm going to keep the match really simple, make a lot of noise, do a lot of really simple wrestling, and just kind of, maybe for people who've not been to a wrestling match before, kind of educate them on the basic rules of wrestling, you know, a little bit of cheating so you can get the ref involved and get the ref over as, you know, the law, uh, the law in, the, uh, in the wrestling ring. Um, which, again, would bring me to another point of people shitting on refs, but <laughs> that is something else entirely. Um, and, yeah, just basically, I know um, a couple of the matches that I've done for you lately, uh, I think one of the the most recent one, I think we were on about second or third. Yeah. Uh, so with that match, we went out there and we thought, you know what, we'll do a promo because we know that nobody else, on, well, there's been few matches on the card that have done promos which is uh, something rare for your shows because you, a lot of people are very character-related. Yeah. We went out, got our characters over. We had a very... We had a match that had a bit of, you know, a bit of high-flying, a bit of character work, a bit of, uh, bit of proper wrestling, all the rest of it. But we didn't really go out there making ourselves, you know, breaking ourselves in two. And especially the match was a singles match with uh, Ritmo, who hopefully further down the line will have a little bit more between me and him. And, you know, it's that longer term thinking of if we go out there and we do everything on that show, then what have we got left to do? So essentially you always leave them wanting more? Not always. If it's the blow off, you shouldn't. Oh, <laughs> of, of course. Of course. But, but I mean, like wrestlers not knowing their place on the cards. I mean, how much is this down to wrestlers and how much is this down to the promoter? Like, who, whose shoulders does it fall on? Because I kind of think... Unless, you know, it's like asking a, a toddler what do they want for their tea. They're not going to say broccoli. They're just yeah. not. They want sugary, fatty, naughty foods. And at times, and um, apologies to any wrestlers listening, listening to this, <laughs> I do kind of, it is like trying to juggle toddlers working with wrestlers and managing wrestlers and whatever. Because if you give them carte blanche, they'll take it. If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So is it on the pr- promoter or is it on the performer? I'll take your uh, I'll take your little metaphor analogy, whatever the correct term is, and I'll shift it slightly. So the promoter, yeah, definitely parent of the show. It's them who would look after the entire thing. They look after their household, which is the uh, which is the show and the promotion. Now uh, the wrestlers that shouldn't be toddlers. If you're booking toddlers, and I don't mean like actual toddlers, um, though that would be a show that I would pay to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you. You shouldn't be looking after toddlers. You should be looking after like mid to late teenagers who know generally what they should be doing. They should have some thoughts, you know, on you know what they want to be uh, getting over and all the rest of it. But you still, a promoter should give off barely anything. I tend to think um, they should tell them the you know the finish that they want, what they want going forwards, and you know the basic gist of the match. But other than that, if a promoter has to hold your hand the entire way through a show and say, this is exactly what you want, uh, what we want you to do, then um, there's other talent out there who understand card psychology who would uh, be more than happy to prove themselves, uh, come down, give you, uh, be given two, three bits of information and pull exactly the match out of the uh, hat that they want you to do. I mean... Um, for me and you, uh, I think you told me the basic idea of the character that you wanted. Can you imagine what it'd be like if you had to tell me every single bit of the match that you wanted out of me? It just um, it just doesn't make sense to me. 
it's, yeah, it's I mean, definitely got there's got to be a meeting of the minds um, mm. to a certain degree, um, but I also do think a lot of promoters don't necessarily want to take charge. I, I mean, I've been. I'm not going to name names. I'm not chucking people. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I was thinking about asking, but I thought, no, of course not. No, it's Why fine. would we do that? But, uh, <laughs> I've been in some, sort of, some changing rooms where I've been on the show, where I've just gone along, got in early and spoke to the promoter or whatever, and I've heard the promoter just say to a couple of people on, on the card about their match, um, such and such and such and such, do some flippy shit, and then, and then just move on. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like... I, what does that even mean? You've not, he's not told him a time. He's not told him a finish. He's not giving him anything other than do some flippy shit. It's like, oh my God. Those are the promoters that tend to be either they're inexperienced or they're fans uh, more than they are promoters. So, you know, some people will learn and they want to learn. But um, if I guarantee if they wanted to know this information, they could go to any other promoter they know, go, what bits of information do I need to give off? And I'm sure a promoter would say, unless they're, you know, really competitive and they don't want any competition, they'd say, sure. give them the time, give them a basic idea of the finish. And if it's important, tell them storyline coming out of it. And um, if, if, if only, I mean, no, it's wishful thinking, but a lot of the times, I don't I get it. I'm a nightmare on show day to get hold of. <laughs> like, I'm all over it. I, I, yeah, I get it. But yeah, there'll, there'll be certain people that, I mean, that's, maybe it comes from the, I'm, I know we're going off into the weeds a little bit with this one. Maybe it depends on how the promoter's been brought up in the business. If they become a wrestler, then a promoter, they might be willing to sit with the talent a bit more rather than just coming in like a businessman and doesn't know the wrestling side, perhaps. Maybe that could maybe that could be it. Maybe. Um, but I, I think tend to think that uh, most promoters usually have been involved in the wrestling industry one way or another. I was just thinking myself, I mean, everybody that I've worked for tends to have been involved in the wrestling industry before they became a promoter. There's, but, um, there's a, a couple up north that we're not going to name that are uh, very much just businessmen. Um I, Genuinely don't know who you're all about, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But I, well, because um, obviously I don't want to spend sort of too much time on the room one one. Your second choice was <laughs> wrestlers that blame the fans for a lack of reaction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah I'll give, give me, give me a bit more on this. Like, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've definitely heard that before. I mean, there's no, two, I, you know, I won't name names, but. Yeah. Uh, if, if I advise this to a talent, this is the kind of crowd that we've got. This is the kind of stuff that gets over. I get why they would say, cool, but I want to try something new. Because mm-hmm. yeah, everyone wants to kind of be fresh and stand out and whatever. But also if the, the, the promoter's telling you they don't like, quote unquote, indie wrestling. You know, that progress <laughs> wrestling, lots of yeah. lots of by slappy and I know Randy Orton's kind of sent sent a tweet out about that. But most family most family shows don't. <laughs> I but, 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 yeah, but a lot yeah, a lot of talent, especially sort of newer, younger talent these days, they've grown up with that five slappy and style of Fightful yeah. Pro and Progress Wrestling and this you know, this sort of stuff. And if you say this doesn't get over here, they want characters and personalities. And sometimes occasional talent have come to Stoke, gone, no, no, no. They, they they might have lied that before, but they've never seen me do it, and they they shit the bed and then blame the fans. I mean, you must you must have been around this for this to be one of your suggestions. Um, a little, uh, probably not as much as uh, as other promotions. I'm relatively early into uh, into my 
career, if you want to call that, call it that. Um, the generally, I've I've seen so many people who, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are the occasional times where you'll go in front of a crowd and that crowd will react to absolutely nothing. Um, most recent example for myself was actually a, a match I had with Ritmo uh, for House of Pain, my uh, my academy. Um, not my academy, but the academy that I learned to wrestle yeah. in. Um, and we literally, I think we must have tried absolutely everything. We had high flying, we had technical, we had character work. We even tried to throw each other off of a 20-foot balcony at one point. And literally <laughs> the crowd just, I say, tried to throw each other off. We would be whatever. But we tried everything, absolutely everything. And it just nothing got over. And we came back and we just went, I don't know what happened. And it, that is such a rare occasion but a lot of people like to come back and they like to go you know we gave them everything and nothing went over and then you went you go and watch the match and you'll watch the um this comes back to people's place on the card the opening match for me should always be a match that tries a little bit of everything see what the crowd react to and every other wrestler on the card should be watching that to see what's going over what are the crowd reacting to if the promoter hasn't already told you that going into the match uh, but even so, you can have uh, crowds who usually react to one thing that might change on the day, depending on the weather or how much they've had to drink. Um, the but I've seen so many people come back and go, uh, uh, you know, we've we gave them everything that we could, and really, what everything they could related to was a lot of strong style, a lot of beating the hell out of each other, a lot of dives, a lot of indie wrestling, like you said, and um, and the crowd just going, meh. <laughs> polite golf clap at the end of it yeah you go you know you could go out there and you can watch another match on the card and they'll go out there and they'll i don't know they'll have an arm wrestle for the first minute and uh, the crowd will get really into it just because they can relate to what's going on in the ring and they're young kids or whatever um and instead of taking from that match they've just decided we'll go out there and we'll give them our match instead of tailoring their match to the uh, to the audience in front of them saying that can sometimes go the entire opposite way where uh, you try comedy and the comedy dies on its ass and that is i think that's worse than the indie stuff dying in front of a crowd you try comedy and you get no reaction and you just kind of go well i don't really know where to go from here unless you've actually planned a contingency um but i've watched um there was one match that still, to this day, sticks in my mind. It was in front of a, a crowd in Hucknall in Nottingham, um, which is, the crowd were being a little bit difficult on the day. No, they weren't really reacting to much. I think it was about the second, third, fourth possible match on the card, and um, a guy, a wrestler called Lucas Archer, if you know him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Lucas Archer, he went out with a guy called Nate Colt. Um, they went out. And Luke, for me, is the number one babyface I think I've ever watched in front of that sort of crowd, where he will just keep trying. He's not deterred by anything. If one thing doesn't work, he'll go to the next. If that doesn't work, he'll go to the next. And he'll just keep trying things until he gets that reaction, because he's just not willing to go, well, if you're not going to react, this is the match I'm going to give you anyway. It's my show, not yours. And a lot of people have that stubborn sort of attitude. But um, yeah, for me, Luke is really that guy who... Uh, first time I watched him and he turned a dead crowd into a really lively crowd and just thinking it's never it's well not never but it's very rarely the crowd's issue it's they've paid to be there they're not um 
they're not they don't owe anything to the show it's the yeah. wrestler to put the show for them this is really really difficult because you've given me two really good examples <laughs> and I, I have been, I've been around both and it just oh I mean um yeah knowing the I mean the, the two almost fall into the exact same I mean they're sort of two sides of the same coin for a chance sometimes just rest- people being stubborn that's really what yeah, it falls and, down and, and just blaming everyone else for their options yeah can um, I put that in instead people just being stubborn <laughs> You know what? Fuck it. Yes, we are. We're not going to debate it. Both of these things, and I was only going to put one of them in and let you take the other one away, but you know what? I'm going to screw the rules. We're putting both screw of these... Screw the rules, I have money. Exactly. <laughs> well, a bit, a bit. Sorry, very, very niche reference that if you didn't know it. <laughs> but we're going to put both of these options, uh, wrestlers that don't know their place on the cards, and wrestlers blaming fans for their lack of reaction. We're putting them both into room 101. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. Very so well. Special. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, oh, God, I wasn't prepared for either of them. Oh, God. No, it's all good. It's all good. So before we even get into our, like, our pressing for you version of Mr. Troy Goose and the other Troy Goose that uh, has the pain and <laughs> UKWA um, would know. I kind of want to get one step further than that. I mean, yeah, obviously you you must have been a big wrestling fan kind of growing up, and I want to know not what necessarily got you to the dance, but what made you jump from being a wrestling fan to a performer. Because a lot of fans just want to watch, and that's cool, you know, whatever they want to do. Why make that leap? What made you say? Okay, I don't want just want to just watch and enjoy this. I want to see if I can do it. Okay, um, I'm going to slightly contradict you. I probably wasn't the biggest wrestling fan. Oh, um, okay. I, d- I definitely was growing up. You know, I, I enjoyed wrestling, and it was probably like the Attitude Era that I was really watching. I probably stopped around 2002, 2003 that uh, I stopped watching. And I ended up um, watching again, specifically, this is the moment, when the Dudley boys returned to WWE. That is when I started watching wrestling again. And um, I was I can remember I was watching a little bit online. I can remember watching a WCPW at the time. And um, it stuck in my mind that uh, when Joseph Connors was uh, wrestling a match, they specifically said, Joseph Connors trained at House of Pain in Nottingham. So that was uh, that was what was in the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, now, at the time, um, actually, before going into wrestling, and I know a lot of people say this, and I, I'm not really one to specifically go, oh, you know, this is what I am. Uh, but I used to train in mixed martial arts. Um, so I trained for about four years, and then I ended up teaching um, a mixed martial arts class at York University for about three years. So about seven years uh, going into this was mixed martial arts. And um, I, when I moved away from York, I just kind of, I fell out of love with it a bit um, because the teaching at the same time as training, it just kind of, I don't know why, but it just kind of ruined it for me a bit. So I wanted to take a break um, and I ended up moving to Nottingham and in the back of my head was there's wrestling in Nottingham. So I thought, you know what, I'll take a little hiatus from martial arts and I'll try wrestling instead. Now, um, that was 
three years ago, three and a bit years ago. So I started training then and uh, got on shows after about nine, ten months. So I've been on shows about um, almost coming up to uh, about three years now, but uh, I've never gone back to the martial arts. I really want to, uh, but it's just a matter of money and time that I can invest into everything. But uh, yeah, ended up training. Uh, originally started by thinking, oh, you know what? I'll bring the I'll bring the martial arts uh, that I used to do into wrestling because there is obviously a lot of um, a lot of crossover. About a month, two months into training, I just thought, sack this off. I'm just going to be an absolute idiot instead. It just it suits it suits me so much better. Uh, so I could still do all the um, I could still do like some relatively impressive stuff, not as good as Ritmel, not as good as a lot of people, but I can move well. Um, and I really tried deciding on if I wanted to be a good guy or a bad guy when I came in, but naturally I just, uh, I love to be an idiot so much <laughs> that um, I ended up gravitating to the, uh, to the heel side of things. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the basis of the very early start of my training and uh, why I went into wrestling. But that's kind of like throwing me for a loop for a little bit because obviously I, I've not been on a show um, with you that wasn't my own up until, yeah. was it March this year um, at UKWA? Yeah. And it's because like, yeah, we see each other at uh, my sort of person few shows, but like I'm like a blue arse fly anyway. I'm trying to run around, I'm trying to do everything, I'm trying to sort issues and blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, on, on the ground when you're there looking after everything now i get what you mean yeah so i, I don't get a chance to spend that much sort of quality time <laughs> at any one particular person I, I, I try and some things and i got to know you backstage at the ukwa show a little bit and mm. uh, i think it was me it was you and we're talking to a, a young wrestler by the name of dougie matthews really nice yeah. guy and yeah. the reason why i thought you were like a lifelong wrestling fan your outlook on the business seems a bit more. Well, where do I want to pick? Like, there's like a wisdom to how you talk about wrestling, how you see wrestling, how you. I'm just an incredibly wise guy. Well, but typically you get wisdom through age, and you're not a massively old guy. I mean, I'm I turned 36 <laughs> like a week ago. Um, so you're quite a young guy, you're quite young to the business, but uh-huh. you've got a. A wisdom that kind of predates that, and that's what kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I appreciate it. It's just uh, I don't know. I've I've always been the sort of person who, um, when I enjoy something, I want to know everything about it. If that makes sense, like um, with the martial yeah. arts, a lot of people when they do it now, they see cage fighting, they go, oh, you know, I'd love to love to be a cage fighter, and that's the thought in the head. Whereas when I trained i trained individual arts and brought them together and i loved learning about the background of all these different martial arts which probably don't really relate to much but there is there is something there in knowing why something is as it is and that was really what happened when it came into wrestling i um i didn't just want to do things for the sake of doing things i wanted to know why i was doing it i wanted to know if there was better ways of doing it and um so I've, I spend a lot of time, like even at work, thinking about wrestling sports, wrestling psychology, stuff to, um, you know, essentially that the background of it, what a wrestler should know, but what the fans shouldn't, but what the wrestler needs to do to get the reaction from the fans, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm very much in the same sort of mindset. I mean, 
Yeah. Uh, I keep I keep like a notepad next to my bed because I tend to get like ideas when I'm just about to drift off and sleep. And then yeah. right before I get like you get to that point where you just go, um, I'll have like an idea. I'm like, oh shit, wake myself up. <laughs> And have to like scribble it down before I forget it. Like I said, there's no pad. It's, it's it looks like the sort of scrawlings of a madman because it's. I say, <laughs> it might be three in the morning by the time I'm ready to drop off. So yeah. you might just say uh, apple, proper green, love it. And I, and that to anyone reading that won't know what it means. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I know what that means. I'm going to speak to that person about it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm seeking suspicion. You're getting to know me on a level you didn't think you would do now. I'm starting to scare oh, you a little bit. But, oh, no, know. no. It's, it explains why you look so tired all the time. <laughs> it's true. I, I like, I have got that face of like, I'm 36 and I look about 56. I look tired forever. I don't sleep. I get maybe four hours a day, typically. That's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm 26 at the moment, so I'll leave it another 10 years to feel that way. <laughs> that's fine. But so. Going back, so obviously, how did the sort of origins of Troy Goose even come about? So you're gonna you're gonna do wander down the um, mixed martial arts kind of route, and <laughs> yeah. How did the, the the sort of early Troy Goose even get put together? Like, how did the name come around? Early musics, uh, early characteristics. What led you down putting it together in that kind of context? I'm sitting up for this now. <laughs> so the the kind of what really happened with it was, so I knew that um, the serious martial art route just didn't make sense to me. I mean, I came from a background of people genuinely trying to hurt each other and then to take that into wrestling, which was essentially a performance and trying to think the same way just didn't make sense to me. So uh, I knew that I wanted to be a bit more, um, a bit more lighthearted. Um, and, I didn't know my character for absolutely ages. And I can remember at work one day, I came up with this name in my head, which was, I believe the full name was Protein Protein. Oh. So, so like Protein and Protein switched and then put together. Um, and that was the thought in my head. I thought, that's a re- that's like, that is a fun name for a team. Oh. And um, I ended up, uh, I ended up, building this entire character based uh, mainly with three main um, three main inspirations, which was obviously bro science at the time, uh, which is still very much an inspiration for me. Uh, there's a film, have you ever heard of a film called Never Back Down? Uh, yeah, it's, um, the main character's called Jake, and there's that lady <laughs> in that, that's, the, the lady in that's really fit, but she's been beating, Ended up beating up Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of a bit weird. I'm the herd, yep. that's the lady. There you go, that's that's really specific. But um, yeah, no, so it's, the, it's, it's for anyone who doesn't know, it's the MTV version of a mixed martial arts film. It's that's like the karate kid. It's the karate kid, isn't it? But it's so MTV. It's so MTV. It's like Gossip Girl mixed with Karate Kid. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, essentially, the uh, the main bad guy in that, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed his character in that. So I used such a specific reference again to kind of inspire my character. So there's those two, and then there's finally. Um, um, did you ever watch uh, Growing Up? I'm not sure if this was growing up for you or not, but there's a show called uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Also, trading card game. You, you know what I'm on about? 
Yeah, I'm vaguely aware of it. I'm, I'm old, so, so not really. <laughs> so there's a there's a show there, and um, and in the show there's a there's a guy called Seto Kaiba, who is is kind of an anti-hero, but not really, um, because he's he's very much he's an antagonist to the the like the main character, but he's not really a bad guy. He's just really, really arrogant. And he's, you know, it's the sort of person where you could show him irrefutable proof that something's happened and he could just go, no, it's not happened. That, that specific feeling. So there was those three characters that uh, I wanted to use as a, as inspiration. And then um, we ended up, uh, we ended up me and a friend uh, at wrestling called uh, Callum, who um, we wanted to build a team together, so we us two decided to be a team called Bro Team Pro Team. Uh, we ended up dropping the Bro Teams, so it's now Pro Team, which is still a name I use to this day. I'm um, I'm part of Pro Team in two different promotions, and um, essentially the the entire character was built around that, and what I wanted the team to feel like was uh, that thing in like high schools in secondary schools where there's the popular group of kids and when you were at school you could take like they could um they could come after you they could try bullying you whatever and you could put them down with such an incredible line and then they could come back with some like really weak insult and then all of their mates would laugh yeah that specific feeling i know it's really like specific but that feeling where it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do, they've got a group of cool kids behind them so they can do anything and they'd come out on top. It's that specific feeling I wanted to get from the team. <laughs> that's yeah. a, I know that's really like niche, but I think that in wrestling there's so many people who want to be wrestlers that you kind of have to focus on those really specific feelings and those really specific um, emotions you want to elicit from people. But uh, yeah, so we ended up calling it being called Pro Team. I tried to think of a name for ages uh, for myself that I wanted to use. Uh, couldn't. Um, and I ended up, uh, we were sat outside at my parents' house one day uh, having a barbecue. Um, and I can just remember going to my brother. I just went, oh, I'm just trying to think of a name for my character. I'm just trying to think of any sort of like American jock sort of name that I can use. He looked at me and just went, uh, Troy? Yeah, that works for me. <laughs> and that is legitimately the uh, the origin of that. And then um, Big Papa Goose is a long-standing nickname from before wrestling that I just thought I'd want to use. So Troy Goose is that's where the name came from. Wow, I mean, uh, there's a lot to unpack from everything you said. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was talking a while. Uh, like no, I, mean, I, I, for me, one of one of the the like. I genuinely love asking people how they came up with their wrestling name because I think. It's such a difficult decision because I don't know anyone that has necessarily stayed uh, in this business with the very first name that they ever picked. Yeah. Um, there are there are some people, but most people tend to go down the alliteration route. So it would be like yeah. uh, Action Adam, B B C C D D, whatever, um, and that kind of like falls by the wayside. You know, it's kind of like starting a car in first gear. Once you've used it up, you go into second and you, you change your name and whatever. <laughs> Again, I, I use a lot of metaphors and this sort of thing. So apologies if it sounds a bit whatever, but, um, but like, I love knowing how people get their names and drill told me his first name that was suggested to him. So 
with you only sort of been in this business for years, I'm guessing you only know drill as the high-loving northern bevyweight bruiserweight bruiser whatever. You didn't see him before that when he was looks like he was from This Is England. Nope. So it was kind of like Doc Martin's wearing football hooligan kind of deal. Like This Is England shape. Obviously, he's got his no hair, so um, <laughs> but like the. Yeah, big Doc Martin boots, like a football thug, like Green Street kind of thing. And that was drill how I met him maybe five years ago, six years ago, something along that kind of line. And But he was always called drill. And I've never asked him why he's called drill. Well, he's just, it's just drill. You know, I don't know why. But on his episode of the podcast, the first name pitched to him, and especially at this point in time while this is going on in the world, I don't know if I dare say it on the podcast, but fuck it, we'll do it anyway. The name pitched to him was Dwight Power. Jesus. Jesus. Who suggested that that to him? I think it was the promoter. (laughs) I won't name him, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's Johnny Brannigan of GPW. I'm pretty certain Drill said that, who pitched him that name. I don't know how serious that was, but fuck, I mean... Five, six, seven, whatever years ago it would have been. It was bad anyway. But yep. 2020, I can't think of a worse <laughs> wrestling name than Dwight Power. Oh. Speaking of, what's your favourite wrestling name you've ever heard? Oh, um... <laughs> I don't know if I've got necessarily a favourite, but it is one that is on par with Dwight Power in terms of shocking. Now, mm-hmm. if I gave people... Um, my person for you inbox, you would be shocked at some of the emails we get. Now, for the most part, they're British talents. Say, hey, mate, here's my CV. Here's a list yep. of matches and blah, blah, blah. And yep. it is what it is. The worst one I've ever, ever, ever had was from a guy in America. Don't remember exactly where in America, but um, he dressed like an S&M baby. Yep, excellent. I like um, it. Oh, and it, it gets better. So he uh-huh. kind of looked like uh, Daffid from Little Britain. So skin yeah. type PVC kind of kind of thing. He wasn't just like any wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he was he was very out. I don't want to be rude, but he, he wasn't in a great shape. He uh-huh. looked like ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. I'm going to leave it yeah. to there. And his wrestler name was Bad Baby Bitch. <laughs> What do you even do with that? An SNM <laughs> Everything. Everything. I would do everything <laughs> with that. Only for one show, and I'd pretend like I'd never seen what it was meant to be like, but one show would be the best show of my life. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't know how... To, I, I couldn't promote that. Like, come on. <laughs> Bad baby. I mean, just... Like, you know what, mate? Thank you, but I'm not going to fly you over from America and introduce you to Stoke on Trent as an <laughs> S&M baby called Bad Baby Bitch while you're in your live career with everything on show. And it's not going to happen, but nope. yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never forgot that. <laughs> now I can see how it'd leave a mark. Well, it, well, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got my name given to me. Like, I respond to filthy every, yeah. wherever I go. Um and it's weird because if in my regular job, um, I don't respond to Phil. It's weird. Uh-huh. It's um, like it's that Randy the Ram kind of from the wrestler vibe where I've been called Phil for so long. 
I forget what my real name is. It's it's fucking weird. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's uh, I know what you mean. I mean, obviously, if someone if someone shouts goose, do you kind of turn around rather than your real name? I'm less likely to turn around to Matt or Matthew. It's, it's quite a common name. Whereas, like, if someone's shouting goose, and there's a lot of sounds that sound like Matt, Matthew. Yeah. Well, Matthew, maybe not so much, but Matt is a. Uh, it's very easy to get confused with a lot of stuff. And there were about five Matthews in my class at school. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, no goose, bird, birdie, uh, big popper. You know. <laughs> <laughs> If the girlfriend's so feeling frisky. Wow. <laughs> I mean, should I give bad baby bitch a call or we can we can get you as a tag team? Oh, me and Triple B. Yeah, I know. I'd love it. <laughs> Don't give him a lovely nickname. It means we have to fucking book the bastard now. Oh, God. That's the way that you book him. You put Triple B, he's not provided a promo picture. Oh, no, we didn't know that he was going to buy it like this. But then he turned up and we've, you know, we've paid his booking now. Yeah, those pictures he sent are, are going to scar me. For the, <laughs> like, he looked like Daffy from Little Britain. I know, again, Little Britain at this point in time is a, a dodgy subject to talk about because he's just been removed from iPlayer and Netflix yeah. and all that. But he looked just like Daffy. Quite a larger chap wearing very small gear. And it was all like way too revealed. Oh, God, no. No, we're going to skip over that because I'm going to bring up my uh, dinner I had. So uh, we'll Excellent. skip over that. Outtakes, so, then, that. Outtakes of Bad Baby <laughs> Chad. I feel like it's... Um, so, obviously, you came along to our show and it was only... Would it have been? It was last year. Yep. Uh, last July, I do believe. Now, this is one question I have got to ask you. And I, I hope I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit but I'm not meaning it to, to kind of throw you under the bus a little bit now sometimes um, I'll have like an idea for a character and I'll stash it away in the back of my head until yeah. I find someone that I think exhibits that kind of behaviour and you'd come along to a show I remember it was pressing for you a method to our madness it would have been our July show and uh, I think it was help. Yeah, I think it was uh, Dukin that recommended you to us. Yep. And said, go along and help out and all that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, meet Phil, the promoter, and have a little chat with him. And I think I was on merch. He came over, said hello. I didn't click in who you were because I was into <laughs> promoter mode. And he was, he was a, an emotional show anyway. We had um, the, the Joshy Brown Memorial Battle Royal on that show, which was made us even more emotional and whatever anyway, which obviously we won't go into, but obviously myself and Kim Rocks, very, very emotional that day. There's no two ways of that. Yeah. So I quick, quickly said hello once I clicked in and just went about my business, being the, the, the promoter and all this sort of thing. And you know, ended the show, the majority of fans leave, and you'd come up and start helping take the ring down, all this sort of thing. I remember talking to you a little bit and... We were discussing who Troy Goose is, and you kind of told me about who the character was. And I don't think I, I hid my feelings terribly well. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a, a jock, kind of douchebag, kind of things. Like, okay, oh, I've kind of seen it. Mm, maybe, just maybe. And I don't remember who brought up the HR thing first. I mean, do you remember? Yeah, I know the uh, I know the conversation went. So um, you're gonna yeah. have to tell me, fill in some blanks. So we didn't actually have that conversation on the show. You basically, uh, I helped out. You basically said, 
great of you to come down. Um, throw me, uh, throw me a message with some ideas for characters. Um, so we actually we didn't speak about it at the show. We spoke about it over Messenger. So we, um, I'd heard that you like really out there ideas. <laughs> so I, can, I can remember specifically what I pitched you, but I, um, I thought you know what, what's something really weird that I could pitch. And I think uh, the the first one that came to my head was, and I don't I don't think it was going to succeed. But I just went, what if uh, what if looking at the guys on your show, what if I create a union for bald headed guys with beards? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know what, if you if you're into really weird stuff, that might get there. And you're like, I don't think it really, I don't think you went for it. I think it were a bit too out there. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm not really, not really into that. And I went, right, okay, well, this is what I usually do. I didn't think it would work, but I did say, you know, this is what I usually do, which is the, uh, I call it like a jockey sort of, jockey, like a jock sort of character. But it's um, it's kind of veered away from that since, obviously, you saw what it was at UKWA. It's, uh, it's just kind of whatever I feel like it is on the day. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and then you ended up. You asked me. You were like, "Oh, are you a personal trainer in real life? Is that why you do the job gimmick?" I went, "No, I work in HR." And I think that's when your little light bulb, sleep addled, yeah. green apple brain started. <laughs> and uh, and um, yeah, that's when you really started going into it for <laughs> for the reasons that you thought that maybe a HR person might get. Um, might get a bad reaction from people. I mean, I'll, I won't go into the specifics of what you said, but um, yeah, I thought you were. <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively open on this podcast. Like, I don't... Um... Ah, fuck it. We'll, we'll, we'll sum it up quite quickly. So I started a job in 2008, and last year, one month shy of my 11th year in this place, uh, I got released. Now, I'm quite... Um, I'm quite upfront with my opinions and sometimes I am a bit of a dickhead when it comes to if I think I know right and worse still if I know I'm right I don't yeah. like the whole let's have a meeting about a meeting it's like yeah. fuck why let's just get to the fucking point we know we're going to revive at this point anyway let's just say I don't like wasting time maybe that's what it is and I'd stashed an idea for like a HR kind of guy in the back yeah. of my head, a bit right to censor, a bit. Um, it was Dan Evans and D Mac. They used to do a, character, a tag team called the Council, and it was a bit of health and safety and this sort of thing. And I'd stashed this idea in the back of my head, thinking I'd love someone that could do this and own this. And it'd been in the back of my head for a little while because in this particular workplace, in my just shy of eleven years, I'd had. 14 disciplinaries and spent over seven and a half years on written warnings because not for any massively bad reasons i'm just very uh, stubborn with my ideas and sometimes i don't like to waste time and i think fuck off my ideas right and rather than thinking fuck off my ideas right it comes out my mouth and if you say fuck off my ideas right in an office environment chances are you're going to have a little meeting so yeah <laughs> uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. That's probably the conversation we had there or thereabouts. But as soon as you said you know, that you'd worked in HR, I'm pretty sure my eyes went would have gone massive. I was like, "Oh, this is it! This is the this is the guy!" 
Um, again, I know that sounds about fucking amateur dramatic or whatever, but when someone starts telling you an idea that you'd stashed in the back of your head, that's probably on a notepad somewhere from two, three years ago, it's weird. It's like some Devon Brown shit, you know? Um, and you were telling me about that, what you do in HR, and I was like, oh, this could be the, this could be the guy, this could be the guy. And I'm pretty sure I must just said to you, can you knock me up a promo? Chuck me some ideas. Yep. And when I say to people, knock me up a promo, sometimes they need a lot of info. They want to know what to wear. If you want music in the background, they want to know how far can they go and all this sort of thing. You didn't, you asked me very few like pointers. You said, all right, cool. I'll, uh, I'll, send, I'll send you one across. And that was pretty much all you asked. You just went away and did it. And what you sent me was what I'd had in mind, plus more, because you know the the language, the the tone, the look. And it was very, very weird. It was just, yeah, it's, it's I can't almost like a work in HR. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's very weird when someone gives you so much, because usually I'd, I'd, I'd expected a video and it would have been taken selfie style and it would have been done in portrait mode, which if you're doing a fucking promo, ladies and gents, don't do it in portrait mode. It looks fucking yep. stupid. It was, <laughs> I got a lot more out of you than I thought I was going to get because I'm so used to having to direct a lot of people when I come out with these crazy fucking ideas. You'd gone, okay, here it is. And I thought, fuck, he's gone above and beyond. But kind of leading me back to the question, when we were kind of putting together this new version of Troy Goose, were you a little apprehensive? I mean, did you think this this ain't going to get over? But if this is what he wants, I'm willing to try it. Were you? Did you think like, I was being maybe disrespectful to what you'd built already? See, this is this is another thing that I could have put into Room 101. Um, for I don't know. Actually, no, I wouldn't have done because a lot of people are very certain on the character. They go, this is who I am. This is what I want to be. If you don't want to book that, that's absolutely fine. And I've seen a lot of people post things basically saying to that effect, you know, this is my character. This is what I do. Um, but these all the same people will also complain about not getting bookings. Now, for me, as far as it goes, I specifically, when I... Um, when I said that Duke recommended me to uh, Pro Wrestling For You, what I did was I put up one of those, um, like those advert posts of please book me, but I know that I'm not the sort of guy who uh, has GIFs, who has Instagram stories based on uh, based on action I've done in the ring, because usually what I do is I tell a story throughout a match instead of putting it all into a five, ten second clip. Um so they they really highly recommended person for you saying it really suits what you are and how you perceive wrestling. I went, cool, right. So I went down and at the end of the day, nobody knows pro wrestling for you. And this is going to sound like I'm sucking you off. So apologies on this in advance, <laughs> but nobody knows pro wrestling for you. Nobody cares more about pro wrestling for you than you do. I bet. I, I feel like that. I'd be willing to say it's like wrestlers who Nobody cares more about a wrestler's match than the wrestler themselves. And that's why, you know, they can sometimes get upset when the crowd don't react to it the way that they want them to. So when I came in and I said, here's my ideas or here's what I do, and you went, that's not for our show, who am I to go, 
okay, you're wrong. I know your show better than you do. It's absolutely, it's ridiculous to me. Absolutely ridiculous. You said, here, this is what I'd like. I was just happy enough that you pitched an idea to me. And especially something that was so easy for me to do since I do it as a job. Um, end of the day, it's entirely different to what I usually do, and I'm sure you've seen it, but at the same time, what I usually do is still a lot of talking, and it's that comfortability on the mic. So it's just being able to marry up what I do as a job uh, into what you would want the reaction to be for me as a character. Again, obviously I work in HR I am a lot nicer than my character and the HR function that I work in is very nice. We do, we, we aren't pricks, uh, which is obviously what I really try to portray within Pro Wrestling for you. I think it's a, there's definitely certain times where HR can be seen as the bad guy and sometimes they have to be, but you know, that is what it is. Yeah. I don't want it to be seen that I hate my job. I quite enjoy what I do. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've got to say, I mean, right from the uh, the, the get-go, Magic Mark, I say he's just, he didn't start with pressing for you, but I can't imagine pressing for you without him. And yeah. he loves to hate you. <laughs> like, I, 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 I really hope you take that as a compliment, because whatever, no, uh, whatever road Magic Mark has travelled down, when you're in the ring and he's on commentary, he's got so much weight behind his words directed at you that you can tell there's a little bit of something in there. Like, I, mean, I, don't, I don't imagine Magic Mark's had 14 disciplinaries and 11 years like this ballad that's talking now, meaning me. Yeah. But you can tell he's definitely come up against something that he's wanted to, or he has, uh, told to go fuck off or whatever, whatever the case may be. And Magic yeah. Mark loves to hate you. Daniel Terry, our announcer, loves doing promos of you. Because you give him some back, it's not just a case of him interviewing you, and it's one way. Yeah, so like how, do you feel, how do you feel about your match? I think it went very well. I fucking hell, give me something to work with. Whereas you can tell when Dan is working with you, whether it's uh, in the ring and it's kind of organic and impromptu, or whether it's backstage in front of that hard cam that we've now got in the changing room, and um, oh, is doing them some kind of things. Speaking of the hard cam, is there a clip of uh, from last time of when I were doing my promo on how to tie a tie properly? I've, oh. not, I've not seen it anywhere. I absolutely loved what <laughs> I think. I, uh, I, I, think don't, I don't think there is. I know there's a oh. bit of a. I know there's a bit of a promo with you um, backstage yeah. right for your match with Ritmo, but I don't think any of it involved the tie. Well, you know when we start pissing about when um, when it's after the show and the camera's still on. Yeah, yeah. There is. There should hopefully be a bit there where I start teaching people how to tie a tie correctly. And Matt Burns gets involved, and it's probably one of my favourite promos I've ever done, which is usually the case yeah. when they're not doing a promo on anything. Did a promo recently about how much I hate zebras, and it, I absolutely loved it, but it wasn't recorded. <laughs> I, I know we have got like a sort of gag reel that uh, our, our video guy Simon. Is he's kind of he's, by the end of the year. I mean, obviously, we thought we'd have done yeah a lot more shows up to this point by now. Yeah, so we were going to do run yeah do six months of shows. So it would have been three or four shows, and take the gag reel from those three or four shows, and then put it together, and it'd be like um, yeah, first one for the first six months, and then the second one for the second six months. I, I assume by the end of the year. Footage. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, all the all the footage still exists, and you know, so I with um. 
with a SW video. Big shout out to them. He will more than likely still have it, and that'll be ready to be put into this gag reel anyway. Yeah. Um, as well as your banana escapades with Bjorn backstage <laughs> at Perth, if you on the rocks from February the 2nd this year. So, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy just messing about in front of a camera. I'm a narcissist that way, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know what? It's like, I think, I think that's a good thing. I would prefer people to give me a lot more content to play with than to give yeah. me nothing, you know, because I'm not, again, I'm not going to name names, but there are certain people on our roster that you kind of need to kick their ass to get them into a photo shoot, to get them into a video promo. And it's like pulling teeth sometimes, but you can tell people that genuinely enjoy it and will Some give us a lot more content than we need. I think that's the thing for me. Some people really enjoy wrestling. You can tell they really enjoy wrestling. But what they enjoy doing is the sort of matches that they enjoy seeing. Whereas for me in particular, I just really enjoy being my character, if that makes sense. I, I really yeah. enjoy portraying somebody else. Not that I hate myself, but <laughs> I really enjoy having that release of getting to be a different version of yourself, to be able to do the things that you want to do, to be a prick who works in HR, which you don't often get to do. You usually have to be very... Very by the yeah. book. I mean, it's, I mean, you might have just hit the nail on the head there because I mean, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a line between Phil Woodvine and Filthy. I think that there will be a line, but to be that character, you can get away with anything. You can say yeah. the most horrendous things in the world, and there's very little comeuppance, and it's very liberating. And I, I get why. People love being heels. I get why yeah, the Randy the Ram kind of vibe, once you've been in this business um, for a little while, why you prefer to be that character and why sometimes you can get lost in that character. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's just a variation of ourselves. It's a version of ourselves that we wish we could be at times, but at the same time, if we tried being like that in everyday life, it just wouldn't work. We all have times where we have to temper ourselves, where we have to pull back, where we have to um, <laughs> bite our tongue, essentially. Whereas, as a wrestler, you can really just kind of... And even the... I think there's two occasions where I've been a face where um, I've really enjoyed doing a very similar character, just more likeable. And it's um, it's not so much that, you know, it's not you, but it's not not you either. That's a lot yeah. of to, Yeah. I, I, I think I was um, I was a face for the first time maybe five or six years into this business. I've been heel throughout, and for the majority of that was being a manager. That was like my bread and butter. And I had to do um, this infinite promotions, and they're doing a it's like a, 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 like a not like a World Cup, but a what's I don't know football, so this is really bad. Premier League is that the the top. I don't League. know football either, mate. <laughs> oh, we're, 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 we're so manly men, aren't we? But it's called the um, the Premier League of Pro Wrestling or something like that. And we had yeah. um, most cities up and down the country had a, a team of three wrestlers and their designated spokesperson, manager, something like it was a really cool idea. I can't fault him. Yeah. And it's a bit of a shame that it didn't stick around for, for longer. But I was the um, manager, voice piece, whatever, of the... Stoke City team. It was myself, Robbie Dynamite, uh, Mark Morgan, Dean Mark for Stoke, and yeah, various other teams and all this sort of thing. 
And for the, I think it was the second ever show that we did, we were in Birmingham and uh, I can't think of the company that we were on, but they had a Premier League match. And I was in heel mode, but they didn't want us in heel mode. They wanted us in neutral. And trying to be neutral when you've been a heel for so long is really fucking difficult. I mean, a, a kid... Mess, just, it's a weird thing to me. Yeah. Be a good guy, be a bad guy. Being like tweeners, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, a kid jumped up um, to give... You know, I think it was Dean or Mark was our guy for the day, to give him some shit... And instinctively, I saw someone jump up and went, yeah, realized what I was doing and had to backpedal so badly. It looked horrible. I went, you, I like your shirt, mate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was, but it just felt like the biggest limp noodle ever. It's just, oh, God, I like your shirt. Oh, God. But I mean, I think heel does suit you. You can you can tell with you, it's very liberating. <laughs> you yeah, know. yeah. I think a lot of people tend to say that I'm like that. Well, I'm not like that, but I'm a dick in real life. Not a bad <laughs> dick. Oh god, I'm I'm just gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna end up rambling, so I'll just leave that there. <laughs> I promise you, you won't lose bookings based on this podcast, probably. I mean, there's no guarantee, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> so what I'm going to have to ask, so where did this um, standards and practices come from? Because, again, I didn't anticipate this um, coming out. I just, I just pitched the HR thing, and then you took it and turned it into a living, breathing thing. So where did standards and practices for ethical wrestling spew come, come about? So you said um, you said that you wanted as like as relatively as part of a team. I always think teams should have team names, yeah. um, something easy, something uh, that's well. Obviously, the name isn't easy, but the acronym is. Uh, is so I went right. Okay, we need something really obnoxious. We need something that's gonna you hear it and you just go oh wankers. <laughs> <laughs> but the best thing about that is if you're going to have something like that, you have to have it be an acronym so that people have something easy to say. And it's best as heels where you're trying to do something seriously, but it kind of falls back on yourself as a joke. So I just went, we'll do an acronym, something that ends up where we end up looking like wankers. Um, and there were so many, I think it was a, I think it was Haley who ended up saying something about standards and practices uh, or standards and whatever some of those really like typical hr terms and i just kind of went into brainstorm mode i thought right okay i ended up listing all the different hr sort of terms that i could think of ended up throwing a couple into a group chat saying you know what does this sound like is this all right is this all right and uh yeah essentially just ended up landing on um spw um for standards and practices for ethical wrestling or Society of Protection for Elvish Welfare, if you're an Harry Potter fan. That's, that's Again, at this point in time, mentioning Harry Potter is probably as dangerous as this gets. <laughs> Just say, fucking hell. We're, we're literally touching on everything that we're not allowed to talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> fucking, H, fucking HR, mate. Fucking hell. No, I'm only kidding. Because, uh, again, that caught me kind of unawares. Because, again, like I, with a lot of people, I do have to sort of baby step them sometimes I don't, and, I don't get it, it. I just, it, shouldn't, I don't, it shouldn't be like that and again 
sometimes I'll give people too much rope and they'll say, oh, how about this? And you go, no, why are you asking if you can swear on my show? Like, you know, I mean, that's one example that kind of comes out a little bit. Oh, can, yeah, can, can, can we do this? And it's, no, the show hasn't changed. It's a PG show. Yeah, sometimes we do occasionally get a bit sort of close to the knuckle with certain things and occasionally a swear word or two will slip through. Dave Dabiakio, idiot. Uh, <laughs> and Mark Morgan, I do have to say that. After our nine-year anniversary show, uh, Perks Infused Home Sweet Home, there was two swear words that slipped through the net. Mark Morgan said shit as he got chucked over the top rope. And Dave Dovecchio did call Mark a prick on the microphone. Um, which we, we, we can swear as much as we want on the podcast. On our shows, it is PG. Occasionally, it just slipped through the net, which is very unfortunate. And I do have to scold people. Um, of course, it's... Um, well, that's just a cost of business, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I just... I don't get people not taking pride in the character so even like with the uh, with the hr thing that was your mainly your suggestion that was your idea of what you wanted but at the same time that character is my shot to get over on your show i don't i don't understand and i'm you know i, I just don't understand people who aren't willing to go who have that passion within themselves to go this is my character i really want to go out and get a great reaction because there's nothing better the, my, the number one thing that I love in wrestling is when my music hits and I get booed before I even walk out. That specifically is my favourite thing. Um, you can end up waking up to big pops and big boos and big cheers and everything during a match, but that specific reaction, there's nothing else about it. It's just they hate you, which is exactly what you're trying to get out of them. But yeah. um, the, less, the less that people take ownership of their own character and they just go, oh, daddy, can you tell me, can you tell me what you want me to do today? I'll ask, I'll, obviously I'll ask you if you want me to get specific things over, but at the same time, um, if I ever want to be able to push my character in a certain direction, I have to show that I'm able to do those things. Um, the, the first, the first match I ever wrestled for you with, so it was the, uh, with the Oscar Mania. It wasn't yeah, it was I, I knew, we, I knew we were going to get onto this. I'm so yeah. fucking ready for it. <laughs> so, um, obviously it was the, uh, it was the first show that I'd ever come down to do for you. And you'd, you'd obviously told me the character and we, uh, we were involved in a six man, uh, wrestling match, uh, six man, six person. Cause it was a uh, two males and a female against two males and a female. But, um, I came up to you and obviously it was my first time being talked to as a worker on your show. And you came up to me like, right. Okay. So I've got this idea. Um, what we've got here. So, uh, so drill in case you didn't know, he comes out, he hands out pork pies to everyone. That's his thing. So I was there like, okay, cool. You go, right. Okay. Uh, but instead of this time, he's not going to hand out pork pies. He's got this bucket of chicken instead. Look at this bucket of chicken in your hands and think, okay, cool. There you go. Except for it's not chicken, it's carrots that you've put in there. <laughs> I went, okay, cool. Now, can you imagine how many, especially the sort of people who need to have their hand held, who come in and they look at you and you say that to them and then they just go, huh? The fuck? And it's <laughs> that was such a strange and I can remember thinking in my head, I can remember thinking, what the fuck are you on? But I thought at the same time, you know again, it's that thing of you know better than anyone else what's gonna get over on your show. So I went, Okay, cool, we'll do it. We'll see how it goes. Um 
And when we were planning the match backstage, and Drill were like, because I think we said, you know, we need to incorporate the carrots or the bucket in some way. And Drill just went, oh, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll shove this carrot up uh, Sean's arse. And I went, <laughs> and so obviously it got a laugh. And I went, no, let's do it. And I think everyone was like, what? And I'm like, no, let's do it. I mean, it's, it's easy enough to build to. Why not do it? <laughs> uh, obviously, we ended up building to that in the match. We did it. It got over huge, and it's just who else is going to do that on the match? Nobody else is going to do that on the match. It's knowing our place on the card. We've got a bucket of chicken. We're in a six-person match. That's a load of characters involved. Why not shove a carrot up somebody's ass? Why not? I mean, like from like I don't remember when I started to kind of this stuff started to fall into place. Like I, we happened to just have a KFC, and. I was like, oh, it'd be really good for Drill to... He'd done the pie thing a good while now, and it was still funny, but I was wanting to do something else. And something in my head just thought, it'd be great to do Drill Fried Chicken, DFC. Uh-huh. Um, so I started colouring in this. Or Doncaster Football Club, if you're back from my own town. So you yeah, do know your football. <laughs> you, are, you are a proper man, after all. Who knew? Oh, trust me. I'm not, I've never, I think um, I've been one or two games, maybe. But yeah, go on. And Drill for our chicken. And I started calling call in this bucket and doodling on it and all this sort of thing. And I could just see it playing out in my head because Troy Goose and Drill, are as, like, they might seem a bit similar in terms of being bald <laughs> men with beards. Yeah, you don't have any of them. I know. Oh, fucking hell, it's 70% of my fucking roster. But in terms of character-wise, they're chalk and cheese. They couldn't be as far removed from each other if you'd have tried. In terms of, you're very well-spoken, he's very northern, he's there eating his dirty, horrible foods, like he's working kebabs, which are fucking disgusting. You're there being clean and presentable. I thought, this is amazing. It's it's just the mirror opposites. Like it's almost like Black Mirror that that show that almost like mirror opposites of each other, whereas they're similar and so fucking different. And I don't know where the carrots came in. I don't. I don't know what it was. Um, I just. I don't know what something just clicked in, and I thought it'd be great if the jokes kind of on drill, and it'll get your character over right from show one. So mm-hmm. thinking of something. Oh, what can we do? What can we do? And you know, uh, must have just saw, well, what can we stash under the ring that's not going to rot that we can get you know, the day or two before and it's still going to be fresh? Um, okay, carrots, yeah, fuck it, why not? So, went to, you know, said, Mark, you bought carrots, brought them with me, and the rest, as they say, is history. Because if it would have been potatoes, putting a potato up Bjorn's bum, I don't think would have worked. Probably not. <laughs> uh, but, like it, it is nuts because I didn't know about the carrot up the bun. You lot did tell me about it. I thought you were joking because I was the DJ for the day. And I said, look, there's carrots. It's under the front right-hand side of the ring, um, which is sort of hard cam side. Now, they're there. Make a bit of a joke, whatever. And that'll get Troy's character over because you, know, you say in the promo, you don't get a body like this by eating fried chicken and pork pies. I thought that gets your character over, that gets Drill's character over perfectly. And I were out kissing my own ass. I'd say it did it <laughs> pretty well. Now, a few minutes before the show had started, I came in the back and said, Oh, um, so what, what are you guys what are you guys doing? And 
I think it was Drill went, oh, we're putting a carrot up his arse. I laughed and walked off, going, oh, you funny buggers. Went back to the DJ booth and didn't think anything more of it. You know, carry on playing the music for the show and whatever. Now, when you start, when he starts wrapping Bjorn's um, arms and legs up, I know there's like a name for is, is that like a Johnny Saint spot? Is that a? I, I think so. I've I've no idea though with that specific. Yeah, but typically where the, the the face runs up and kicks him up the arse and that sort of thing. Now at that point, I don't know what you're doing. I've got a million and one things going through my head, and oh my god, he's literally going to put a carrot up his bum. Like I thought he was joking, so I'm just kind of like watching. Thinking, oh, I don't know. I can't stop this. I mean, if I was thinking it's a bad idea, I can't stop it. Why would it. you want to? Well, it just it was a Sunday afternoon. It was a charity show. And I just thought, is this going to be too much for people? I don't know. But it's too late for me to do anything about it. We're just going to let it happen. Mm. And he gets a carrot inserted. And Harley Harris tries to pull it out. You try to pull it out. The referee tries to pull it out. And together, you do manage to... Uh, to get out, and I've got to give Bjorn so much credit. He sold that like a trooper for the rest of the show, even into the rumble at the end. He was selling it. Glad, yeah. Really, really, really brilliant. Like, Bjorn, if you listen to this, mate, just know that from myself and everyone, I absolutely love that. It's brilliant. It's really, really, really well done, if not slightly weird. Because I did see fans <laughs> after the show eating the carrots, and I thought. <laughs> Have they ate one of the carrots that we used? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you must see the, the, the you and Drill being sort of parallel opposites of each other. Yeah, I mean, I think generally uh, there's nobody I look more like than, uh, than Dukin, I think, is the um, absolute epitome of we do look very similar to each other to the point where if I post promo pictures on my uh, on my page it will automatically tag him <laughs> genuinely true it will tag him in that picture and I have to remove his tag and tag myself genuinely true with that I, um, I, I do have that issue I'm going to have to say this and Ryan I know you listen to his podcast I know Keith does as well but when I go to tag the mites even though yeah. Keith is Keith is sixty one, Ryan is late twenties, I think. So there's uh-huh. a bit of a gap. But yeah. Facebook tries to tag the other person in the picture. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, Ryan. <laughs> I love that. But um, but yeah, so I'm used to looking like people in this. I mean, joking. We've done plenty of mirror spots with each other, and spots where I'll run down all his features and tell him what an ugly bastard he is, and he's like, "But you clearly, <laughs> you see the similarities here." But um, no, drill. Obviously, I, I can see the uh, I can see the similarities, and um, I guarantee if we don't end up doing a mirror spot at some point, I'll be surprised. But I mean, seventy uh, percent of my roster is bald guys. With beards. I mean, it's you. Put us in a battle royale, um, and just what, don't make any, don't make anything about it, and then just have the announcer be really confused when we go like in this corner, and then keep on announcing the wrong person. <laughs> we've got you. You got, you've got drill. We've got Ryan Myers. We've got Keith Myers. We've got Mark Morgan. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got P- Perfect Paul James. I mean, that's just six off the top of my head that I can just name. Just like that. I'm sure there's more, but. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. 
I don't have like a proclivity for bald men. I don't know if that's a weird sentence to say on a podcast, but uh, explains them. <laughs> it explains my inbox. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> well, like, what do, what does the future have in store for Trogues? Because you I mean you say you're three or four years deep into the business, you've got the world at your feet. You're very easy to work with. You're very responsive to trying new avenues with characters and things like this. Is there a all-star in your futurism at NXT UK? <laughs> what What do you want to do? What I only well, firstly, um, I, I tend to look at the immediate future and go from there. Um, I love I love working. I love working as many places as possible. Originally, um, so up until very recently, I was uh, residing in Nottingham. Um, and a lot of my work was doing it with uh, a lot of the wrestling was to do with uh, House of Pain um, as well as uh, Future that's uh, based around Mansfield as well um, and I was essentially I was wanting to get uh, as many places to work in like Stoke sort of area specifically because um, my girlfriend of uh, four years so longer than I've been wrestling uh, she lives in Manchester the plan was always that I'd end up moving to Manchester uh, so I'm ended up moving here, well, moving to Manchester now. It's just that at this time, it's kind of been caught halfway in between. So the first thing I need to do is I need to get myself set up in Manchester. I've heard great things about a lot of the academies and schools up there. Uh, so get myself on a couple of shows up there. Um, kind, of, kind of go from there. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself with the martial arts. And when I've, at the end of the day, I kind of fell out of love with it. Um, so. As far as I can tell, wrestling to me is a hobby, but a hobby that I absolutely love doing and love spending as much time with it as possible. I want to get as booked as many places as possible, but at the same time, I don't want to get to the point where I stress out going, oh, why won't these people book me? Why aren't they interested in me? Um, at the end of the day, there's so much wrestling going on nowadays, and it's uh, specifically why I posted the post that led me to Pro Wrestling For You which was, it's kind of an advert for myself saying, please book me, but I know that that's not really going to work for me. I don't have any gifts and uh, much of an online presence, but let me know where you think would suit me and I'll go there, I'll put in the time, I'll make myself known, I'll help set up, I'll help take down, I'll understand the psychology of the mat- uh, of the card itself and prove to you why, I'm, uh, why I'd be a good fit for you. And... Um, even if you know my current character or another character I do doesn't fit, I will watch the show to the point where I understand maybe this could work, maybe this could work. So really, I just want to get booked a couple of places in Manchester first, get myself set up at a training school and um, go from there. I'm, I'm not putting anything specific. Um, specifically, and I'll say this just because it does have a effect on my future, uh, so Ryan Bartram is a destroyer. Is he destroyer from Synergy? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Troy, Troy Ryan. So we kind of went destroy. Yeah, exactly. Troy, yeah, yeah. So we've got an absolutely jacked guy who is in incredible shape. If you've not uh, got him on Instagram, ridiculous how uh, good shape he is in. Now, if I'm going to move to Manchester uh, and keep on with the name Troy, it just kind of it's. <laughs> I don't really want to compete with that. So I'm, I think I'm actually going to be ended up uh, dropping the Troy part of my name and just going by Goose from now and different yeah. variations of Goose. I, I see it working. If it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I think if, um, if, if, you say, if say, you say anything with enough confidence, I think you'll get it over. 
Well, it's the original, um, it's why I always used to go by Troy, specifically just Troy. That's all I ever used to go by, just one name. Because everybody does the two name things nowadays, and it's usually two first, two first names uh, together. So I'll, I'll use him again just because he's, uh, we've already said, so like Troy Ryan is two first names. You get a lot of people who are like first name, first name, and it's the Shawn Michaels thing where they yeah. uh, took inspiration from him. But so many, so few people are going by one singular name and um it's it's one of these things where I'd, i don't think there's any single part of it wrestling that should be overlooked and your name is such a specific thing if you look down a um a call sheet of wrestlers on your show and you don't see if you see the name and you go who's that again then you've fucked up as far as i'm concerned whereas if you go down and it's a name that stands out and looks different um you kind of already half winning the battle. By yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've um, I've gone along to sort of training classes and things like this, and uh, on long car journeys with like the the, the A one lads. I mean, the three guys oh, from Stoke, the A one guys, fucking absolutely, all, all three of them superb. And I try and give them what I've learned, and I'll try and say, like, before the the crowd even see you or see you wrestle, they're going to hear your name, pretty much, and they're going to hear, yep. hear your music, and then they're going to see you in that in that order um, before they even see you wrestle. So if your music doesn't necessarily want to... If you're a heel, make sure your music pisses them off. Uh, make sure your look pisses them off. Make sure your name is uh, chantable, in terms of whether you're booing or cheering it, just make sure people can pronounce it. I think Stoke had a bit of an issue when uh, Jürgen Heimlich became Duke. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was kind of maybe uh, trying to be too smart for the crowd, because the crowd, like, I've got a bit of a speech impediment. I hate even my own voice. Seems I fucking hate it. And I can't make certain sounds, certain words, so I don't say them. So with Dukin, I almost have to take a run up at the word. It's kind of like a D, it's kind of like a G, and kind of like a, a J all in one. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I, when he became Dukin from Jürgen Heimlich, I think the crowd had, had, had a bit of a tough time trying to get their name around, their man friend, his name, a little bit. Yeah, Dukin's a lot harder than Jürgen Heimlich, isn't it? Well, it, it? Jürgen Heimlich rolls off the tongue, at least for me anyway, like it's easier to say. With you know, Dukin... I, I think maybe it's because Kim Rocks used to announce it wrong. She'd be calling like Gukin or <laughs> Dukin with a D, like D-U-K-E-N, perhaps. I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's one of those things where just make whatever name you go under, make, make it accessible. Can a four-year-old say this? Can you say, you know, Johnny Turbo Pants, you shit? Can a, an eight-year-old say Johnny Turbo Pants, you shit? If you can't pronounce it, then you've got fucking no chance uh, of them booing you. Touched on, a, touched on a music there as well, which I think is such such an important thing, and everyone overlooks it when they're deciding on their music. Everyone, the amount you go to any wrestling show, and I guarantee, fifty percent of the time you hear someone's music, and it'll start with a guitar riff or a drum beat. And yeah, I'll just go. <clears throat> Just be different. There's so many songs where if you don't know the wrestler's music within the first five seconds of it playing, then again, you have fucked up as far as I'm concerned. They should know it's your music before you come out. Otherwise, what's, again, what is the point? 
I'm very, very specific with my music. I really, I really, I get so excited <laughs> about entrance music. And one thing that I absolutely hate is when they're uh, back from my martial arts days, when I used to fight uh, with the cage fighting and with the boxing, uh, my entrance music was always ABC by the Jackson 5. And wow. Absolutely love that as an entrance song. Beyond anything else, I absolutely love that as an entrance song. But no matter what character I do, if I am a heel, I cannot enter to that song. And it irks me to this day. <laughs> I really just want to enter to that. Or I'm Like a Bird by Nelly Furtado. One of those two songs, I would be loving it to come out to that. Wow. No, but I, I, I very much agree. I mean, um, I used to go along to the, uh, the wrestling school in Runcorn, the RWA. And yeah. they've got some really, really, really good talent there. Um, great ideas, and you see the enthusiasm coming out of it. But their music, it's like they picked a Kerrang! album from 2002, and all of them picked a song from it. Oh. Like, oh, pick an acapella, pick dubstep, pick, pick, uh, pick an instrumental. Pick a something. trap remix of Tiptoe Through the Tulips. That's all I'm saying. Just something different. <laughs> I wish I wish you could have saw my... Because I, I see that look on people's faces when that music kicks in for you. Because they look around <laughs> going, what the absolute fuck is this? And I know that because I pulled that when you said, this is my tune. I was like, all right, sat at home. I clicked play on it. And my face went, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Please, when we're coming out of this, uh, when we're coming out of this podcast, please play that music or just have it on constantly in the background. It loops quite well. <laughs> oh my god, it's perfect, though, isn't it? It's absolutely perfect. And who else does that music suit? It's specifically my character Tuity at Pro Wrestling View. That music. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Um, it's. Because I, I, I do love watching people's faces and they what the absolute shit is this? And then once that, there's like 10 to 12 seconds of that sort of really strange part of the song. And then it kicks in with such a dirty, dirty beat. That filthy. You want, filthy. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one thing, again, like I always try and teach people, like words in songs don't always make sense. Like... Steve Austin didn't really have words in his song for the most part. Then when he changed it off with Disturbed, it did. But he walks to the tempo of that song. And if you coming out doing Ten to the Dozen and the song's Johnny Cash, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You're not walking to the beat of that song. So yeah. if you come out slow and miserable, like your song is going to be slow and miserable, it makes fucking sense. It kind of sticks in people's heads a little bit. If you come out dancing around and it doesn't match up with the song, the crowd is just like, mm, this is confusing. It's like if you go, if you want pizza, you go to a pizza restaurant. You want Chinese, you go to a Chinese restaurant. You don't think, oh, I really want a really good Chinese. I'm going to Weatherspoons. That's <laughs> fucking confusing. And same applies. I know that sounds weird. Again, no, it's no, a weird metaphor, but I hope it makes sense. That's exactly it. Everything has to make sense. Everything has to match up. Everything has to be your character and it has to be solely your character. If it doesn't suit your character, then why is your character doing it? It makes no sense. So it's all about making sense. I'm fully, fully behind you on that. Fantastic. See, see what I mean though? When I said that you early on in the, in the podcast, your viewpoints on wrestling, it doesn't match necessarily the amount of years you've been in this business. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I'm, really, I'm not going to blow a bit of smoke up your arse. There's a wisdom there, mate, and you need to kind of really take that credit. Yeah, just don't forget to um, don't neglect the balls when you're sucking me off right now. That's all I'm. Saying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm terrible with compliments. By the way, um, thank you. I think it's a sincere <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> when we started this podcast, I said, "Don't worry about swearing; it's cool." And you said, "Well, it's cool. I don't really swear all that much, anyway." You know, you don't necessarily swear, but you do throw up a few uh, penis and ball references more often than not than any um, heterosexual male would think was healthy. Just going to chuck that out there. Just put that one. There's for me. There's nothing better than a, I love doing it in promos. Is just slipping in as many innuendos as possible. Stuff that kids won't click on to, but the parents do. I'm just... one, of, one of my favourite things that again, it's one of these off the cuff things that uh, kind of happened was I was cutting a promo. The mic didn't work, so I so I just uh, I noticed the mic wasn't working. I told everyone the mic wasn't working while I was still holding it up to my uh, mouth. Somebody shouted, "Why are you still using the mic?" Then I went, I "Just like the way that it feels in my hand," and all the mum. <laughs> started pissing themselves the kids had no idea what was going on but I just um, s- same show uh, one of my like gimmicks that I've got there is that I've got a really really small towel really specific I get tiny yeah. towel trying to get me there but essentially it came down to that we made a joke one time that the other wrestler had a bigger towel than me and then we just made dick jokes about it the entire time and Amazing. for the past year and a half all I've got away with is telling people that my towel's perfectly fine, it's big enough to handle any wet situation, and people just start pissing themselves. Wow. It's I, just I, I some... thought I yeah, I thought I was bad because when I'm um, I, I want to give a big, big shout out to uh, Unstoppable Wrestling up in Padium and Burnley, uh where, where they run. Which again, I think that's a company where I think you would you would thrive, your characters would thrive <laughs> uh, yeah. up there. Um, I'm, I'm, an, I'm the announcer there, so I'm not really filthy. I'm filled with vibe with this little air about me. Again, I'm not being a face, but it's still, I'm going to be nicer than what I would be. Announcers shouldn't be faces or heels. Announcers should be there too. Yeah, but a little bit sometimes slip out. So I try and interact with the crowd quite a bit, and I get them kind of um, facing off against each other so I can chuck sweets out and you know, just have, have some fun with them, essentially. And there's a kid that during an interval started doing the worm along the front of the <laughs> front of the ring and yeah. rather than just letting it go i was like oh, i'm going to draw some attention to this perfect opportunity for a bit of an innuendo and <laughs> uh he, he somehow like i got told this after the show that he's got like a world record this little kid had been six eight ten swell or not i don't fucking know so he's got um, the world's so- longest worm well, yeah, he did the he did the worm across the entire Burnley football pitch. Jesus. I didn't know this till after the show. So he started doing the worm, and rather than getting into the the second part of the show, I said, "Look, like I'm I'm going to set you a challenge right now, mate. Whatever, whatever his name was, um, could you do the worm all around this ring, all in one piece?" He said, "Yeah, I've got." And I said, "Oh, okay. Tell you what, in front of everybody here, get get me the cameras out because they were kind of still in the back." Um, we're going to film you. We're going to take some pictures. If you can do that around this entire ring, we're going to get you a present from the back. I know if it'd be sweets, it'd be there's a popcorn machine. I'm going to get you a present. And he, he was 16 foot ring, and he did the the worm without stopping. So he did it around the corners of the entire ring, which was impressive in itself. I was like, oh my god, 
And then just the little cherry on the cake for the people that were listening for it. It's like, thank you so much for showing 100 people your worm. <sighs> can't um, be missed, can it? You can't miss those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's playing with fire, perhaps. Maybe you mean you were just fans of playing with fire, perhaps? Well, kids, kids wouldn't get it anyway. So I, th- I think... Um... I mean, Yorkshire heroes that they are. Chuckle Brothers. Uh, I went to watch a pantomime that they were in once. And all of the material was just under the table stuff that kids laughed at because they like loud noises and whatever. But I was pacing myself laughing watching this. They had so, like, just because you're performing for kids doesn't mean that there aren't parents there. You just have yeah. to be safe with what you do. So it's really easy to get away with saying anything in front of kids as long because they don't have the context. It's not like they've got active sex lives, is it? Well, hopefully yeah. not. I mean, for that last unstoppable show, um, once I like once I announce, I was going to sit into the into the crowd, and there's two shows in one day: the afternoon show and then the evening show. The afternoon show wasn't full, so I'd announced the match, and then I want to get out of the way. I went to sit in the crowd, and I sat behind these two ladies who were about twenty five, there thereabouts, and. Uh-huh. The, very easy on the eye. That's all I'm going to say. They're very, very attractive ladies. Um, <laughs> and they were just sat eating the hot dogs really slowly throughout the performance. And uh-huh. rather, rather than not... Uh, I'll have your voice has gone up now. <laughs> yeah, rather than no, not, no, rather than not say anything... Not the only thing that's gone up. Go on. Oh, there it is. Rather than not say anything, um, again, it's that playing with fire thing. So I get back in the ring to announce the winners of the match. And I'm about to announce we're going into the interval. And I've just, I just kind of like pointed back at these two ladies that happened to have the hot dog halfway into their mouth. <laughs> while I was yeah. like, I couldn't, I couldn't have penciled it better. I was like, ladies, can I just say from every man 18 and above, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and the little kids were a bit confused. Yeah. Um, and, and also on that show again, you, you must have heard of uh, Alexis Falcon. Uh-huh. She does the splits on her entrance, kind of like Melina, where she splits yep. and then goes under the bottom rope. There was a little kid in the front row that went, ew, and his dad sat with him, eyeballed me, eyeballed his dad, and his dad just looked at the little kid who would have been six, went, give it about ten years, son. And I was trying <laughs> to not laugh. I, it, he popped me so, so well. I was thinking it, he was thinking it, and the little kid had no idea. It was great. I know. It's, just, it's, it's great watching parents actually interacting that sort of stuff as well only yeah. uh, only wwe superstar i've ever met that melina she uh, she did a seminar for us once that was genuinely absolutely incredible and um wow. i yeah genuinely she uh real real good insight on very specific things and uh some of the most in-depth feedback i've ever got i've got a picture with her i'll, uh, I'll post that up but she's um oh she's if i didn't have a crush on her before i think i do now <laughs> And I did meet her at a Stoke Comic Con, and she was like, just she was sat with SoCal Val again. You couldn't meet you know, two more awesome people if you tried. Really, really awesome, awesome people. Um, but I'm going to segue very, very slightly into uh-huh. our game show segments. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> we're, we're going to play Family Fortunes, but uh. <laughs> I had two others in mind. I didn't know how to make them into a game for you. I just like the name of them. So, okay. Goosey's Price is Right. Oh, um, okay. Goosey's play your cards right. Now, obviously, playing on Bruce Forsyth, I wanted the pun, but I didn't know how to make him into a game. So I thought, fuck it, we're going to play Family Fortunes instead. Okay. 
Oh, I love this cheesy 90 shit. <laughs> there you are. Beautiful. I see it all queued up all ready for you and everything. Perfect. I like the preparation. Oh, man. I, I'm, if there's one thing that I am, it is professional. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm sat behind two women uh, deep protein hot dogs, of course. Oh, That's Jesus. Yep. 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 We'll skip over that bit. So <laughs> I have surveyed. Uh, 100 wrestlers, of course. I, have. Oh, I don't think um, that there are five uh, top answers to find, and you've got three lives in which to get them. Oh, uh, the answers it... that wrestlers have given. Uh, I, I feel like common sense isn't going to be a good factor here. I, I would, <laughs> I would definitely keep that in mind for when we play this game. So, uh, excellent. Okay. You, you have been warned. So, there's five top answers to find. You've got three lives in which to play it. Now, if you manage to find all five, I'll buy you whatever you want on the next show. If you want me to buy you a roast chicken so you can sit in the in the dressing room and eat it in front of everyone and make it up on Jalice, I'll buy you a chicken. I don't care, but uh, you need to get all five top answers to get the star prize. Deal? Okay. Go on, yeah. Go on, then. <laughs> so the question that we asked all 100 wrestlers surveyed, of course, uh, we asked 100 wrestlers to name a bold celebrity that Troy Goose looks like. Oh, Jesus. I, I should know this better. So it's, I, non- I used... wrestling. so it's non-wrestling people that you look like. So not, none of them are. It's none of, none of those. So it's five celebrities that Troy Goose looks like. Bold celebrities. Well, I used to have hair. I used to get compared to Harry Kane all the time. But obviously that's not going to work anymore. Um, okay. Now, let's think. I'm just trying to think of bald celebrities. You'd think it'd come to me better. I mean, I'm assuming it's not Terry Crews. Um, let's <laughs> go with... Let's go with Patrick Stewart's the first one that's come to my mind. <laughs> and, and the survey says... No! Oh, we have lost a life. So you've lost right. one life and there's still five answers to find. Right, so bald celebrities. I'm just trying to think of anybody. Um, let's think. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be uh, optimistic here and go. Jason Statham. It is the third top answer. Oh, sick! I'm not gonna ding. Oh, what's it? Fuck it. Ding. Fuck it. So you oh. found one of them. There is still four answers to find in two lives. Let's go with Bruce Willis. It's the second top oh, answer. Sick. Ding. <laughs> So still the top answer and four and five still to find two lives. Jesus, right? This this is genuinely nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, let's go. There's a there's a chef guy, isn't there? I can't think his name though. Uh, uh, I'm not Hest- saying him. Heston if you don't, if you don't know his name, I'm assuming he's not on there, so I'm not going to say it. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, shit, put me out. Let's go with. Um, Finn Diesel? <laughs> Fuck it, up. Speaks in very high of himself. Oh, survey said. Oh, oh, I, honestly, I think Jason Statham's thinking higher of myself than Finn Diesel. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. The, I think these wrestlers, when they were surveyed, probably ran out of bold people to list. So, yeah. Um, so you've got two lives. No, sorry. You've got one life left, and there's still three answers uh-huh. to fight. Right. I don't see this going well for me. Uh, you know what? Mind, these aren't very. I'm gonna. I'll be honest. These 
aren't particularly complimentary. <laughs> right, not complimentary. Let's go Harry Hill. It's a top answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was fucking pissing myself when I saw this. Right. Um, uh, so you've got two more to find. We've only one life left. Oh, right, okay. Um, let's go. You said not complimentary. Not particularly. Should we go? You know, I don't think he'll be on there, but I can't think of any bald people right now. How about uh, Ross Kemp? <laughs> oh, oh fuck you, hell. That is that is your third life gone. Unfortunately, you oh. don't get the, you don't get the roast chicken. Was Hester Blumenthal one of them? If you like double, if you tricked me there, I'm not that good of a sal. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Do you what? Do you really want to know? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so number four was Doctor Evil. Oh, I don't know. I got that. And if you didn't get this, if you didn't get that one, you're going to get this one. Mini me. Oh, fine. Well, if I got one, I'll get the other, I guess. I'm tall. People shouldn't be going for that one. Terrible. I, I think they're just going for, for balls. <laughs> they're not even going for really bearded because Harry Hill, Bruce Willis, uh, Jason Statham's more of a sort of stubble kind I'm of guy. I'm really happy with Jason Statham, to be honest with you. I'll take that away from that, and uh, that'll be my highlight of the week. Highlight yeah. of lockdown, that for me. Yeah. <laughs> Complimented him too fucking much now. <laughs> fucking hell. I, it does mean I get to keep my chicken, so uh, I'm quite fucking chuffed at that. I mean, that's surely half a roast chicken in like a drumstick. No, like I, I chicken. I mean, I work in Morrison's. Like, I, I, <laughs> nearly every shift, I eat a full chicken. Oh, you're properly making me crave chicken right now. Mate, times are good. All I'm going to say, big shout out to Morrison's. And other supermarkets are available. Just to, just, just to keep it safe. But uh, before we before we wrap up, is there, is there anything that you want to promote? I never wrap up, Phil. You should know that. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, oh my god! So I know you are starting to get a bit more social media friendly. I mean, I know we put a lot of sort of uh, clips. I don't, I don't know how to make it gifts, but we do put videos up. I think we put one up today of the uh, carrot gate, or leading up to carrot gate, anyway. Um, is there anything that you want to promote? Is there anything on, on the horizon? I know it's lockdown. We don't know when the next wrestling shows are going to be. But is there anything that you want to promote of yours? Uh, nothing uh, specific. I mean, uh, it's um, obviously the, the home school is always uh, one that I think I should be promoting. So House of Pain Academy is great, as well as um, Future Wrestling down in uh, Mansfield. If, uh, if people are ever down that way, we've got some... Uh, really uh, relatively newer guys to the business who are all really hungry, who all really have that sort of attitude of um, not wanting to have their hand held. They're really wanting to, you know, drive out and kind of have that passion for wrestling that not not everybody has. So, yeah, that, just those two, I think. Other than that, um, like any page you see me on, I guess. <laughs> Shares. I really I'm... feel like I should be better at this, but I'm just, uh, I'm not the most savvy with these things. If you yes, want to I mean, know Savvy, talk to Luna Rocks about all that sort of stuff. She's yeah, I mean, incredible. She is the absolute, the absolute master. It is. I mean, she does take like a million pictures on nights out, but you know what? It's cool. We love, we love it a bit. So anyway, she's a good egg. I love some of her friends. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And of course, if people did want to track down any more uh, of uh, our our version of Mr. Troy Goose, you can go to youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling for you. We've got lots of stuff on there. We're adding stuff all the time, including full matches and including full shows as well to keep people you know, nice and uh, nice and busy during lockdown. Um, but Mr. Goose, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's gone off in a very dirty phallic kind of way at times probably a, a few too many times uh mate honestly it's been an absolute pleasure ladies and gents this has been snack crackle and cheap pops thanks for listening check out pro wrestling for you on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4u on demand.co.uk